The starchy collar chafed my freshly shaved neck, and I worried the bloody dots that had appeared as I ran my cheap razor over my face would stain the shirt. We stood at attention, that is myself and the others stuck in this misery, as the short manager stomped back and forth in front of us in a show of Napoleonic rage. These are the cream of the crop, he bellowed, and they will be treated as such. Outside in the large harborside hall sat advertising royalty, members of the flogging fraternity who'd clawed their way to the top of the cut third industry, undercutting each other to steal this and that account from the next agency. They were all smiles and dead eyes, waiting for the festivities to really begin. I don't want to see a single fucking empty glass out there. You're here to keep the drinks flowing and the patrons happy. I was trying to listen to what the five foot five inch general was saying to us, but was instead focused entirely on the black streaks that ran across his head, masquerading his hair. I thought about him staring at his reflection in the mirror after a shower, uneasy with his own body even after the purifying scrub. The denial that propelled him into pushing his remaining hair over what once was, in vain hopes of fooling the public at large. A public lie we're all forced into keeping. He listed off his army-like plan of what hors d'oeuvres were to be served and when, to whom, and how our faces were to be shaped so as to convey happiness and excitement and other manufactured emotions. The advertising men would not understand these emotions from us, but for the women working alongside me, would receive them with a misguided stirring in the loins. Despite the decrepitude of the advertising men, they felt fit to fling their fornication fancies at any female presenting human and her regrettable eye contact. The short man clapped at us, encouraging us to gather up our morsel-lined trays to broadcast about the room. I took my tray, hoisted it up to chin height, and made my way to the swinging double doors. As I pushed through them, I gingerly stepped out into the echoey room, my movements mimicking that of a 1950s dancer on the silver screen. Here I dodged a man, merry after already consuming a full bottle of wine, despite the festivities only just beginning. There I dodged a woman who'd sold out her own kind to make it in this world. The 4-4 thud of the driving music pulsated in my ears as I tried to gather my bearings and pushed through to the quadrant I'd been tasked with restocking. The flashing lights in the room gave me sudden jolts of fear as I saw their faces spread wide in tableau. Rolls upon rolls decorated their chins while beads of sweat trickled down the side of their faces. Is there any mushroom in this? A man asked, his snout upturned at my tray of offerings. My life coach says to eat a hearty diet of phallic objects to keep my testosterone levels high. A job like mine demands it. Despite this dieting advice, he was a flaccid man, large but limp, a contrarian figure who spent some time running his hands through his hair at high speeds. After careful consideration, the man picked up a stack of the savouries and crammed them into his mouth, quickly drowning them in his gullet with an ethically sourced white wine. Particles of both flew out of his mouth, and he exploded in laughter at another advertising executive's display of handshake-based masculinity. Paulie, you massive cunt, he cackled. What took you so long? The two paired up, thick as thieves, and made a beeline to the bathroom. That's for staff only, I meekly offered. They continued into the small toilet, unaware of my protest. 
I returned to the kitchen, having used up all of my small snacks on my little disc. The kitchen was empty. It was empty, save for a lone caterer. I was one of them, he offered. One of those... people. He was staring out the porthole window into the hall. You lose one baked bean account. You find out who your real friends are. He continued cutting, though his pace became increasingly frantic. Small ticks began leaking from the side of his mouth. And I don't have anything to dust these fucking macaroons with. He gestured with his knife towards a huge tray of sweets. I noticed my bladder was fit to burst and immediately left him to his hate-fueled chopping. Entering the staff bathroom vestibule, I found the door to the toilet was weighed down with something. Pushing heavily on the door, I was able to gain some movement and slide it ajar. The man from earlier and his so-called friend Paulie were sitting slumped on the floor. I was unsure why they'd pick here of all places to rest their eyes. They'd become hot and both had taken their pants off. Eyes closed with a smile on their face, they both appeared to have taken a nap after encountering a nosebleed for each. One of the men, Paulie, seemed to have blood pouring from his ears like a broken fountain. The toilet seat itself was caked in what looked to be icing sugar. There was a very large bag of the icing sugar on the cistern. I pissed a relieving hot stream between the two men's heads while flecks of urine splashed back into their faces. I tried to clean the specks with a square of toilet paper, but only managed to smear the blood from their noses across their face, the end result painting them as the lipstick-laden women they'd so detested earlier. I picked up the bag of icing sugar and slipped it into the pocket of my cheap vest. Entering the hall again, the drunken audience had turned to face a speaker on the podium. He was an aging little man, a dried-up raisin of a human, flanked by a tall and youthful woman with a vacant gaze. Advertising has never been so important, he claimed. It is a beautiful, welcoming business. What other business would let a boy, a boy like me, a boy who grew up in a gas town, what other business would let me be the man I am today? They all cheered in genuine excitement. But my friends, our clients must understand, advertising is not free. It is not cheap. Advertising is an investment and we must demand just remuneration. He slammed his fist on the shoddy podium to punctuate each word while it shook and gave way to his desiccated drumming. Demand just remuneration. The crowd could hardly contain their elation and they hooted and hollered their support. I receded slowly into the kitchen where my furious friend was still in a world of his own catering conundrums. I found this, I said. I think it's icing sugar. He took it with a quizzical look and threw it from hand to hand. He licked the end of his finger, dipped it into the powder and tasted it. He coughed, laughed and smiled at me again. His eyes began shooting about in his head like they'd become untethered from the internal cords that held them in place. For the macaroons, you genius, he screamed, throwing his head back. He poured the powder into a large flour sieve with a convenient little trigger. He began dusting the powder all over the macaroons and while dipping and re-dipping his finger into the powder to taste, they'll love it. He was overcome by excitement and presumably a little lightheaded from the blood trickling from his nose as he announced this new recipe. Seemingly overcome from the pace at which he'd been working, 
he took a little rest on the floor of the kitchen once finished dusting, choosing to sleep sprayed out across the black and white checkered floor. His chef's hat crumpled under his face to form a makeshift pillow, while he dreamt of dancing and kicked his legs in polyrhythm to the music outside. I picked up the tray and took it to our guests. Wafting the macaroons near the advertising executives, they seemed to trigger a sense of recognition upon seeing the small delights. They greedily took them and crammed them straight into their gullets, some of them even smelling the icing sugar very deeply before committing the macaroon to their mouth. Even the man on stage took one and shoved one in the woman who stood next to him. Breakfast of champions, she giggled. The room grew louder and louder, the sound filling my ears until they fell fit to burst. The people were laughing, crying, screaming with happiness. They danced as if powered by the energy of the sun itself, which explained why they broke out in thick rivulets of sweat. A small cluster of coughs began to break out at the back of the room where I'd served the first desserts. A small scream here or there made its way through the audience, while men yelled out for help. I was unsure what they all meant and rushed back to the kitchen to see if I should refill my tray. The room was quiet. My catering friend had stopped his horizontal dancing. The icing sugar had mysteriously gone missing. I went back into the hall, only to find the entire room had also taken up this craze of horizontal dancing. They twitched in syncopated rhythm, most unable to keep up with the music that kept its steady beat on and on and on. I have never been good at keeping up with trends, and dancing makes me uncomfortable. People said I danced using my arms far too much. I left the venue and made my way out into the cold night. In the distance, I heard the clanging of illuminated safety boys on the water, and the cries of seagulls looking for discarded food filled the night just loud enough to cover the growing sounds of sirens.